Podcast, a platform where we discuss social justice and the issues that impact poor black and brown America. This platform educate and infuse listeners into the human existence of the community leader. Um, the platform will also allow for community organizers to really tell their story. Uh, Origin Brew casts a spotlight on the interconnections of injustice. Also, we educate people on the complexities of the journey of the black and brown and poor activist, leader, community uh, representative. Today we have Marcus Bass. Uh, Marcus Bass has been organizing for many years, and we met uh, during our time, uh, uh, really around 2017, and I wanted to really give him a platform and and introduce him to our listeners, somebody who is definitely um, a statewide leader um, on the voices that impact on black black, uh, North Carolinians. But also, he's a part of a larger network of, of, of just the black voice in the nation. And so we wanted to get a platform so we can understand his journey, his platform, his perspective on everything that's going on today. So with our first question, um, before we even get into the first question, uh, Mark, can you, can you introduce just your journey? How did you get to this point? How did you get to, to just start doing the work that you're doing right now? Oh, man. First of all, Doc, uh Really appreciate this moment to be on Origin Brew. I think it's very necessary, very needed. I think um, in this moment, the the narrative around um, black identity, black politics is expanding and we're not just taking what's being handed to us, we're being able to say what we wanna eat. So I think typically what we've been eating has been unhealthy. It hasn't been good for us, not just physically, but in uh, economically, uh, in a lot of different ways, spiritually what we've been fed and so now this, this brew it's helping us digest some things differently. So I'm I'm excited, man, to, to be a part of this. Um, I got here, strangely enough, two unique situations. Uh, my parents, uh, by virtue of, of their jobs, um, were dictated to by who was, whoever was in office. My mother mm. worked for the courthouse. The courthouse is controlled by um, a clerk of court. A clerk of court is an elected position. Most people think the judge runs the courtroom, and he does run the courtroom, but the courthouse is maintained by a clerk of court. And so um, whoever was in office in that local little Sampson County town in the in the clerk's office, they maintain who worked there, the workforce. And so her job was dictated by who won that local election every four years, so I had a unique sense of what that was. And my mm-hmm. father, uh, he was a highway patrolman. He didn't come in from the typical sense of always wanting to be a cop. He came from the sense of working in D.C., needing to come down, help his father, who at the time was dealing with cancer, and um, got in in the USDA under the affirmative action piece and was moving furniture in uh, D.C. for the USDA. That's what a lot of people wow. don't understand about affirmative action. Even though they let us in, they all they still sometimes gave us the menial job. Wow. So 
Wow. They got you in the door, and then you had to work your way up the ladder. And, and whenever my grandfather got sick, he decided to come down here to North Carolina, back home, and um, and was um, enlisted in the Highway Patrol as a way to just keep, you know, food on the table. Wow. Uh, he was a former military man, and so you know, just all of that kind of centrally guided my understanding as a young person. Number one, and then number two, two thousand eight on the yeah. campus of North Carolina a and <laughs> uh, the historically black college no, known for Jesse Jackson, who wow. ran for president, run Jesse wow. run in the 80s. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, here we are in 2008, jumping in fountains uh, on the historic campus, wow. you know, in the middle of the night after hearing the election of Barack Obama. That wow. happened because uh, individuals, college students, uh, really stepped forward, stepped up in a big way, made history. First presidential election, just got engaged in, um, politics, and then we see this historic win. And then immediately after that, we noticed that the living conditions of individuals didn't shift as wow. drastically as that elected force. Wow. And so, you know, fervently bringing in Obama in 2008, continuing, you know, to see his charge in the second term, and then boom, we get hit with the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Mm. In the middle of Obama's second term, mm. we're dealing with police brutality. And so mm. all of those different pieces um, brought into me an understanding of number one, the political process is important. It dictates mm. your lives and your livelihood more than you rec recognize. And number two, um, representation is not the end result. Wow. That vote in November is not the end, it's the beginning. And I just think for us, for so long, we've had to deal with representation, mm. um, some of the other superficial things in regards to getting us to vote, but we've never really been able to accept our issues wow. as as political foundation for building power. And so wow. um, that's what brought me to the Black Alliance through a bunch of different organizations. And uh, I'm, I've been excited to be here with this family and Advanced Carolina family and, you know, building black political power with like-minded wow. individuals such as yourself, Dr. Ruth. Wow. And, and, and again, I, you've been in this work and you've, you sort of even, you know, brought it all the way to the work your mom and your father was doing. There's people who are entering this work right now. And so their perspective, their understanding of the moment is a little different. How are you sort of thinking about these days? Like, what, what, what is occupying your thoughts as it relates to um, the, the protests we've seen in the last two months, um, the protests that continues across the country, um, and then sort of this energy, this, 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 this energy that, you know, change will happen, right? So, so, so how, what, what, what are you sort of wrestling with at the moment? Absolutely. The first thing I think about is um, you, you can't make history in 2008 for the first time voting for president and then expect for nothing to change. Mm. So whenever young people voted for the first time in their lives for an African-American president, that did something to the mm. system, right? Mm. Not just for us, right? Not just yes. mentality for us, but it also says something on the opposite end, right? Yes. Immediately yes. after Obama was elected, we saw some of the most aggressive state legislatives uh, turn from Democrat to Republican overnight. Yes. Yes. We saw uh, the repeal of the Voting Rights Act. We saw some very interesting things coming yes. from the system. At the same time, folks were saying we had arrived. Wow. Um, and so I think when we look at what is happening now in this current moment, um, no protest happens in isolation. Mm. Um, the movement for black lives is not just a 12-year, 12-month, or a George Floyd phenomenon. Mm. This has been connected to our humanity since we've gotten here. Like, mm. <clears throat> I think there's a difference in uh, a black person being in America mm. and having this lived experience um, for many different years, that lived experience was challenged wow. as not being valid. At first, it was not even valid enough for humanity, right? Wow. Three-fifths of you were only valid. Uh, wow. Now, in this current context, we're still seeing 
um, fractions of the black community being used for political gain in regards wow. to gerrymandering of districts, yes. right? Yes. And um, and the monikers of the rights movement, um, the stance around I am a man, the conversation around uh, labor and economics, we're still talking about that today. Yes. And so I think what we see in these George Floyd moments and these um, Breonna Taylor incidents, and I hope they do arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor, but I think what we recognize in this moment is that these uh, frontward-facing street-level protests mm. are really just fissures. Wow. It's been bubbling over for the past wow. 50, 60 years. Wow. And, you know, a movement in this cyclical sense is it's not like a circle, it's like a spiral. Yes. And the closer we get to the time period, the, the cycle gets faster and faster. And so we see these moments happen uh, at a lot more rapid pace than we saw even 10, 20 years ago. Not that they weren't happening then, but the ability for us to stay in that and then just be followed up with just go vote, that, that time is becoming more and more limited. So, you know, that's just my take on, on, on the current moment. This is not something that, um, you know, brewed just uh, because a cop put his knee on the neck of one person, but this is the knee on the neck of black prosperity, black economy, wow. black sovereignty since the beginning. And we just, we're getting stronger and stronger every day, not weaker and weaker every day. Wow. That's why the, the movement is sustained at such a heightened pace in this past summer. So, so we had, we've had uh, uh, Muhammad Ali's attorney when Muhammad Ali was fighting against the war. He, they were, that, uh, he was on Norman Siegel. We've had um, Dr. Harshaw downtown. Um, and these people have been in the game for a very long time. And it seems like, um, like you said, that, you know, sort of it's been brewing underneath the skin. And we're just starting to see sort of the, the pus from that, from that wound, right? So, so with, with that, it seems like it's something that's been lingering for a long time. And, and some people are weary. Some people are, are mentally tired, et cetera. But what inspires you? What inspires you to get up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting again today? Because it seems like there's a new trick. We move them. We move them. You know, mailboxes, we are, you know, we are, are, I mean, it it seems to be something new every day, especially in your line of work around voting and voter turnout and voter education. And um, what inspired, how did, what, what causes you to say, okay, I'm getting up, I'm fighting again? Um, So first, I think the element that you elevated is trauma, right? Mm. We don't really unpack and define our trauma because that challenges America, right? For black people to talk about the experience that they've gone through, it seems as if we're being dishonest or distrustful of America that brought you here out of the jungles of Africa and put clothes on your back and taught you how to talk, taught you how to speak the King's English. For you to say that this was an unjust system here, not only do we not want to hear it, if you don't like it, go back home. Mm. When we only had a one-way ticket to begin with, and it wasn't even a ticket, it was a capture. So I think... Wow. When um, when you talk about some of our soldiers on the front lines in many different ways, and I respect all the names that you mentioned, um, there's a lived experience and conditioning that has laid upon us that um, it, it's very hard to consciously wake up every day and fight against that because uh, society, Americanism, um, is not about your opinion, right? Mm. It's about your representation. Mm. That's why when we elect people, we're not a direct democracy. We're a representative democracy. People don't make decisions. Wow. The only decision you make is who you're going to elect. And who you wow. elect makes the decision for you. And before you even get there, there's a pocket of money or a briefcase of wow. some other interest stopping them to remember who voted, for, who got them in the office. But we just want to talk about why black people ain't wow. voting. That's all we want to talk about. That's all wow. we want to challenge in the system. Wow. But what motivates me is, is the fact that I'm... Um, there were individuals that sat in the bottom of a ship 
that rocked from side to side. Mm. Um, that ship stopped in the Caribbean mm. and seasoned for a little bit, and that ship kept moving here. Mm. And your existence in this uh, origin brew, um, wow. your engineer's existence being a technical genius in, in regards to music, my ability to be political, this is that same resistance that kept them from not jumping off the ship. Wow. No disrespect to um, Wakanda or yes. the, the Michael B. Jordan quote at the end, yes. but you know, I, I can't fault someone for jumping off, but I am so thankful yes. of the people that decided to stick it out. Yes. And if they can deal with that then, in that wow. context, if the soldiers in the civil rights movement can deal with that resistance, if the black women can stand uh, with not raising their own babies, but having to let their breast feed the babies of these wow. white children and still make it out. Wow. Who am I to to you know have to say I give up because somebody doesn't get along with my tweet or somebody wow. doesn't um, feel like my political views are valid right now? You know, wow. there's so much more that we have come through, and that resiliency is really the true testament to America, wow. not the American dream of uh, owning capital and land, but the resiliency of being able to come to soil that didn't want you wow. and creating a president, potentially creating a vice president. Wow. You know, that is the stuff that I think keeps me up up at night, regardless of how, um, you know, certain individuals have in, in their individualism of yeah. these different individuals, the totality is a story of resistance. So that's what that's what gets me going, Doc. Now, now, now how do you, because, because um, I've, I've heard people say, Hey, we're seeing just a shift in power at the height of sort of the response to George Floyd's Ahmaud Arbery's, uh, you know, d death and murder. You, you, you sort of seen um, um, people, you know, n not witness this level of unrest, and, and and so they're like, "Wow, this is a shift in power." Um, my son is six years old, and I say this every time I get on the, the podcast. And there's a Black Lives Matter commercial um, on Disney. And, and so, you know, you know, just watching all this, people are saying, man, this is this is a shift. This is a time change. But now that we're walking into this stretch where the days are counting down to an election, there's also a narrative of where is that resilience around voting and particularly the black vote. And so um, have we seen a shift in power? Is that yet to be seen? Um, like what 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 have we seen? What was demonstrated in that in this season, basically? Um, interestingly enough, people always think we've arrived and we haven't arrived, mm. right? <laughs> when, we, when we finally got into the white neighborhoods, we, mm -hmm. we thought we had arrived. When we went to go to the white schools, we thought we had arrived. Um, wow. Now we thought we had a black president, we thought we have arrived. Wow. Now, um, you know, Google putting Black Lives Matter on the website, we think we have arrived. Wow. In reality, we needed this moment and corporate interest in Black Lives in mm. 2008, right? Mm. But we were satisfied then. Mm. You know, just just elect this person in and we good, wow. right? Message 2020. Wow. But I think uh, wow. one of the things that we're seeing right now is the fact that um the the reality of this moment is forcing people to really see America for what it is, wow. right? Um, wow. There is a veil that has been split from top to bottom. Wow. And the reality of the mediocrity that has governed this system is on display. Um, the reality that this document that we have reverenced so much for over 400 years is obsolete, is wow. becoming more and more clearer. And it is scary to folks that have built their lives on this, um, a dream of American attainment that is wow. loosely veiled racist intent. Wow. And um, I think there's a lot more that we have to do, right? We have to address anti-black racism. We wow. have to address misogyny. And um, we have to 
figure out how we decolonize our mindsets. But I think in this moment, we are definitely experiencing a shift in people's ability to uh, take the same old thing. That definition wow. of insanity is finally kicking in our head that regardless of how many, how many of our bodies we throw at the system, be it the police system or the political system, change cre created is never actualized for our people unless we have a demand behind wow. it. And so wow. I think right now what you're hearing is an older generation um, saying vote first and then hold them accountable later. Mm. And then you're seeing a younger generation saying, no, we want accountability before we get you in wow. office. And I wow. think the uh, choice point that uh, the rest of America has to make is, um, you know, at what point do you realize that what you've been handed is not enough? And I think for those that are on this corporate mindset of people want handouts, we have to realize that America is built on handouts. Wow. You wouldn't have had the entire uh, Western hemisphere from um, you know Tennessee onward yes. if these thousands of acres of land weren't given wow. for free to these folks to go out here. Wow. Uh, you wouldn't have had these large corporations setting up shop in our cities if they weren't getting the tax breaks from wow. the municipalities today. Wow. So we 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 love to uh, talk about how one group of people uh, survives off handouts, but we don't want to recognize that the person at the top of the office in the United States has failed to show his tax return, wow. right? Wow. Because he's getting kickback from the government because he beat the system. Wow. But we want to talk about the welfare queen, not the white king that wow. created the system. So I wow. just think that that shift that's happening right now, you wow. don't get that unless you're going through the civil rights movement, through the apartheid movement, through wow. uh, the Occupy movement. It is it is all of those systems that have been attacked over the past couple of years that is creating that change that we're seeing right now. And I don't think that um, liberation... Uh, our liberation has never come from one thing. Before yeah. you got to Abraham yeah. Lincoln, right, you had to go through Araminta uh, uh, Ross, wow. through Nat Turner, through John wow. Brown. Wow. All of those things got you to the emancipation. So wow. we're sitting here thinking that politics is the answer when history has shown us you don't get to the political power unless you have all these other systems operating in unison. Wow. Something that one of your uh, homeboys, Dr. Tom's, like to call <laughs> the, 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 the triple quandary, like the lived experience, wow. everything's on a continuum. So wow. now, now, now the one thing that I, so most of my research is around perception and perception of, um, in general, but also perception as it, as it is attached and sort of handcuffed to blackness, right? And so there's, there's perceptions around certain indicators in our country and it has become sort of a black brand. And I call it the default negative, right? So if if I'm going to vote against SNAP, I'm going to vote against SNAP because the perception in my brain is that it's going for or it's going towards black ghettos and black mothers, right? Hmm. But the statistics, which you can Google now, right? Matter of fact, you don't even have to type anything. You can talk to your Alexa device and say, <laughs> what is the statistics, the demographic statistics for individuals using SNAP? And it will not be black people. But the perception makes that real. And so I vote against that. Um, I mean, I can keep going down several different things. Also, the gifted program. I'm, I'm part of the, uh, the, the black and gifted, uh, the talented black and gifted committee or something for the state. Of course it, you are. Of course it, you are, Doc. No, You're but, talented but, and gifted, bro. We need no, that. No, but but it's, it's actually talking about the 
the the talented and gifted black students who are often left out of gifted courses. Mm, black IG. And they're, they're also, um, they're scoring off the charts. They're performing off the charts. So it's not performance or outcomes, but it's the perception of what this student ought to be hmm. rather than their actual performance. So... Uh, so when we talk about change now, do you think we will see a shift in those sort of default negative perceptions where black may not always be the default negative for every single you know negative category? It's going to be a long time, Doc. Wow. The, the, wow. the, the unconditioning. If, first of all, if we were to go back a thousand years ago and ask people in Africa where the black people were, they look at us like we were crazy. <laughs> black, black people? What are you talking about? Where the black people at? I'm from... I'm from this tribe. I'm from that tribe. What is, what is black? <laughs> um, so that that construct, right? That construct of blackness has been is is American. Wow. You gotta own that. Wow. That's American, wow. just like capitalism. Wow. Even though capitalism was invented before America, uh, the perfection of capitalism was the utilization of free labor, right? Wow. And so right now you got people talking about being black capitalists, but they don't mm. even understand that they were the capital. Wow. So you can't you can't use wow. the master's tools to create a new house. Wow. And um, I just think that that, that sometimes um, our thought process around how we got here is uh, is fueled by this notion that uh, we got here because some person other than black people did something for us. Yeah. And but and nothing else, right? Wow. This uh, this kind of uh, Du Bois versus Booker T philosophy, but then that is devaluing the Marcus Garvey philosophy, wow. right? This notion wow. that you don't need the system regardless of either or. And I think when it comes down to um, operating against our own best interest, sometimes I think that the person on welfare is challenging the system harder mm. than the person that's trying to be a millionaire, mm. right? Think about mm. it, because the person that tries wow. to be a millionaire or a black capitalist, imagine how much compromise they had to go through. Wow. Um, or imagine um, in regards to the person that is on the system, quote wow. unquote, they are still waiting for the government to do for them what the government does for everybody wow. else. Wow. wow. The person that's a capitalist, by the time you make a billion dollars, you have spent, you have given back wow. to the system at least 30 or 40% of that. Wow. And so I just think in some cases, right, like you can be a businessman or a businessman, but realize yeah. that you came here to be somebody else's business, wow. right? You came here to be a capital uh, expense. You didn't wow. come. And so our, um, our uh, our building of an economic empowerment cannot be it cannot be nestled in the stock market because wow. we were sold on the stock market. Wow. That's not just like a nuance from woke people. That's a fact. And, wow. and in order to dismantle that system and create something different, we have to go a little bit deeper than just figuring out how to get the next million. Not not wow. the next millionaire because we're gonna need that. But yeah. wow. there was a time where they told us you could be the next Sam Walton, right? Wow. You could be the next X, Y, Z, but all you had to do is what? Cut your hair. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that wow. ridiculous? The thing, the thing that's keeping us from being the next big. And, so, and even now, right, anytime we get another big yep. and they parade them around, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the magazines, all the covers, yeah. and they look at that one exceptional person yeah. and point back to the system that has undermined all these people and say, see, you could be like this wow. person. Wow. The system is not set up for us to be another Sam Walton or a wow. black company to have another Amazon. It's not built like that. That's why, what's our guy's name that owns the, um, he's the TV mogul that has all of the, uh, has the big power and he got, he had to sue uh, yes. Comcast. Yes, yes, 
Listen, oh, listen. Yeah. I'm just telling you, bro. It's systemic. Now, wow. and, but listen, now what? Now what are all the billionaires talking about? All the billionaires, all the black billionaires and black millionaires talking about reparations now. Wow, wow. So I just there. There's wow. some things there that I think we we um we wow. have. What's his name? Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Robert That's Smith. Right. One of the most wow. successful brothers, man. So, wow. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Perception. Wow. Now, in 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 Lincoln, we only have two questions left, but I'm I'm really enjoying uh, this conversation. I want to I, I want to um, so there's a lot of tension around this question. Um, people are now tuning in and trying to critique with a fine tooth comb what Black Lives Matter is, right? Because they because they're trying to um, help define history of this moment, right? How is history going to capture this moment? So if I you know attack the 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 brand that is being promoted, then I don't have to even deal with the real you know George Floyd is a memory you know after that you know if 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 I attack the the brand this platform that is elevated during this season, um, but in your opinion, how should history see now? Um, how how should we see the cries that's in the street? What what are we seeing? What are we? What should we interpret? Um, the first thing that I think about when you ask that question is the fact that we are just now uncovering the magic of the civil rights movement. Mm. Right? It takes at least ten to twenty years removed from a movement to be able to fully observe what you just went through, what you just experienced. Wow. And even in the movement, we're realizing now that we sensationalized the movement, mm. right? Uh, everybody mm. didn't march. Everybody didn't protest. Right. A good number of people stayed home. Mm. Um, one of the things that I remember, I just watched uh, Good Trouble, um, right? Wow. The, the yep, yep. Uh, movie honoring John Lewis. Yep, yep. One of the interesting things in that is uh, they interviewed James Clyburn, and a young James Clyburn just graduated from college. His wife was pregnant. Whenever the Freedom Riders came down south, James Clyburn didn't go out to protest. Wow. And he intentionally said he didn't. And his reason for not going, number one, was because he didn't have a child. And then number two, wow. he said that um, you know, he was not nonviolent. Wow. Now, I'm not gonna I'm gonna wow. let you decide yeah, yeah, what yeah, which yeah, excuse yeah. works. Yeah. But in reality, <laughs> I think um, and I respect all of our leaders, yeah. but every, there's so many different fragments and facets of the movement yeah. that when we paint this broad brush of Martin Luther King being a dreamer yeah. and do like Martin Luther King did, yeah. uh, we do the same thing with Jesus, right? We put yep. Jesus in his box of just being a, a holy, meek, and mild lamb. Yep. We don't talk about Jesus dying as a political prisoner, yep. overturning yep. the tables in the market, um, you know, seeking, saying, vengeance is mine, say of the Lord. We don't talk about some of those elements, but I think now we have to this movement in the next um, probably 30 years will be defined as the period of um, discontent with wow. the status quo. I think the civil rights movement was about see my humanity. It was still pointed at someone else. Wow. Um, you know, treat me the way I treat you. Love wow. on me because I love on you. Wow. Not because I deserve it or respect it, wow. which is what we're going through now. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm not asking you to respect my life. I'm telling you my life matters. Wow. And that's a wow. tough pill to swallow. Um, just wow. uh, 10 years ago, whenever the folks started protesting, you would hear people in the street say, uh, if we don't get it, shut it down. Yes. If we don't get it, yes. shut it down. Yes. And the response that I heard a lot of folks say, well, what are they talking about? Shut it down. What are they talking about? Well, guess what everybody's saying now? Yep. 
Yep. DC is broken. <laughs> we need to shut it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. The young people have been saying that since yeah, the second term of yeah, Obama. Yeah, 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 like yeah, we got, yeah. to, we have to start, and it's connected, yeah. right? And it's not just even the situation of police brutality. It is not just landed in this past uh, two or three years. Angela Davis been mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. divesting in the police. Yeah. You know, so I just yeah. think um, this period, this time that we're going through now, is going to be defined as awakening for Black people. Wow. I think. Um, the conscious period and this definition of consciousness versus woke, that's, you know, that that's whatever. You, yeah, know, you just yeah. need to, whatever you call it, this is the period in which we are recognizing the difference between um, white people not having to be politically active or engaged, just make a mm. phone call to somebody and it gets answered mm. in their community being fixed versus black people have to show up in mass. We got to go to the General Assembly every Monday. We got to go to every city council meeting. We got to know who our district representative is. We have to be more American than the Americans that are channeling us to get out of America. And I think that's the realization that we're facing now. And it's not seen in the militant lens anymore. It's just seen in in the truth. You know, if I had said this 30 years ago, they'd have been thinking, I'm dead, red, black, green on, (laughs) you know, the pick (laughs) in the head. But I'm just telling the American story, brother. You know, there's a little more for Clinton. You know, the same what I've been through. Yeah, and and we're going to close with this last question. And this is a fun question. Um, So we're making a podcast, I mean, a, a, a music playlist from the podcast. Each guest gives us a song that's feeding their souls. And we are just keeping a track record of that. At the end of the podcast, we're going to release the playlist. So we've had some legendary hits. Um, we've even had some contemporary ones. Um, but in, a clo- in closing, what song is feeding your soul right now? What song is really speaking to the moment where 10 years from now, when you hear that song, it brings you back to here? Man, oh man, you would ask me that question right now. Um, what's, <laughs> other than J. Cole born center, the whole wow, album. Wow, um, wow. I would think what's really in my mind right now, playing over and over again, is Marvin Gaye, right? Wow. And not Marvin Gaye, what's going on, but Marvin Gaye, I want you the right wow, way. And wow. every that song goes so hard because wow. it says, I want you the right way but I want you to want me too, wow. just as I want you. Wow. And that's what America is saying. That's what wow. black people are saying to America right now. Wow. Like, I want you, America. I don't hate you. I love America. Wow. But I want you to want me the same way wow. that I want you. You Come know? on, Marcus. Wow. So that's what Come we had on. with it, Don. Four years of A&T, I, baby. That's wow. all I got. I'm going to get to you. You got every bit of it right there. <laughs> Now, on behalf of uh, Justice Love Foundation and uh, the Origin Brew, and again, the Origin Brew is talking about the original bean that was transported over here. Mm. Once here, it was grinded, it was steamed, it was, and the the nutrients from that original bean was extracted. Despite that, it still produces the most desirable drink in this country. And so um, you really gave us that story today. And uh, on behalf of the Justice Love Foundation, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Marcus, for coming through. We appreciate you. And on behalf of the Justice Love Foundation, uh, we thank you for, thank for you, providing Doc. your story. Hey, have me back, man. I'll I come back, man. Definitely will. Thank you.
Origin Brew was created and sponsored by the Justice Love Foundation. The Justice Love Foundation uses philanthropic activism to stretch traditional philanthropy to include the quality of life of the community organizer. The Justice Love Foundation is a foundation that convenes, support, and invest in the lives of the grassroots community leader on the front line of social injustice. In the next episode, we're going to continue to give you intimate access to dynamic community leaders who are leading during these difficult times. The Origin Brew podcast gives you unprecedented perspectives into the struggles and victories of these leaders of social justice. The Origin Brew team also invites you to like and listen to our Spotify playlist, which is a collection of songs from our guests. Thank you for being a partner.